What's up, Grace Church? Uh, my name is John. I'm the, I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm glad that you guys are here. Those of you who are in Avon uh, today, thank you guys for being here. I know that there's other churches you could be at this weekend, so we don't take it for granted that any of you guys uh, are, are with us this weekend. For those of you guys who are in Braintree, uh, we're really glad that you guys are part of what we're doing also. Uh, we are now in the third week of our series on uh, the end times that we've called The End. It's a series that I've been putting off uh, for my entire ministry as, as a lead pastor here at Grace, uh, even before we were meeting on the weekends when we were just a, a Bible study uh, in my house on Seaver Street in Stoughton, and I was an assistant pastor at a church on the west side of the city, people in that Bible study were asking me if I would do a, a, a teaching on, on the book of Revelation, and I kept saying no uh, for two reasons. Number one, the stuff in there creeps me out. That's the number one reason. And uh, number two, uh, I don't, I didn't really understand, I, I don't really understand, didn't really understand any of it. So I didn't know that, you know, if I can teach something that I don't fully have a, a grasp on. And, uh, and, and, and now here we are 12 years later, and I still don't know if I've got a grasp on everything, and it still creeps me out. So I have no idea what I'm doing right now going through this series. Um, but I'm learning a lot. I'm trying to stay uh, at least a week ahead of you guys. Uh, and, and what I'm te- you can't teach what you don't know, so I'm studying like crazy, and, and I'm learning a lot, and I hope, I hope you guys are also. Uh, raise your hand uh, if you guys have already seen Avengers Infinity War. Uh, everybody raise your hand who has seen that. Uh, maybe the better way to ask is raise your hand. Uh, with, how about if you have not seen Infinity War yet? Uh, okay, uh, so this is a spoiler alert because I figure all of you guys have already had enough time to see it. So, uh, and if you're waiting, I don't know what the heck you're waiting on because I'm about to ruin that movie for you right now. But my wife hated, hated Avengers Infinity War. She absolutely hated. Now, it doesn't help that she hasn't been keeping up with the Avengers, excuse me, the, the Marvel uh, movies anyway. Uh, she's not really a comic book chick, and uh, if you've ever met my wife, uh, you're probably wondering why she even married me, knowing I'm a comic book dude. So, I, I still wonder. I'm thankful to God. I don't question. I, I just thank, thank, thank him. Um, but uh, in, I, I've been watching all of those movies, and it's, it's a cliffhanger. Uh, so you get to the end of the movie, and, and, and in any movie that has a bad guy uh, and, and good guys, uh, what do you want to happen to the bad guy at the end of the movie? You, what, what do you want to happen to the bad guy? You, you want the guy to get creamed. That's what you want. Like, whatever version of that. Like, homeboy needs to get what's coming to him. Can I get an amen? Right? Like, and, and, if, and, if, and if the good guys don't win at the end of a movie, uh, we get upset. Uh, which is the reason why we hate Philadelphia, because the Eagles won and not the Patriots. I'm, I've got buddies from, 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 uh, from, from down there, and uh, I'm just saying, like, the good guys should have won. That's all I'm saying. Uh, it's the reason why we hate, we hate uh, the New York Yankees. They're all evil, every one of them. And if you root for the ankle, if, if, if you root for the ankles, yeah, that's that's Yankees and Eagles. If you work for the Yankles, then you're smoking crack. Apparently, if you're rooting for them, because that's not even a real team. 
Uh, I'm just saying, uh, like, there's, like, you want the good guys to always win when the bad guys win. And truthfully, we don't hate the Yankees. Uh, as, uh, that's not, that, we don't hate them. The, the, the thing is, like, like we, I'll say this, we do hate the Yankees. Our favorite team isn't the Red Sox. It really isn't. It, our favorite team is whoever's playing the Yankees, and our, favorite, our second favorite team is the Red Sox. Because, like, we don't care if we don't go to the World Series just as long as they don't. Am I right? I think that's kind of the way, it, at least that's the kind of fan. Or we're way, this, none of this is in the Bible. I need to get back to it. Uh, the point is, is we want, we, want, we want the evil empire to lose uh, every October, right? We, and then in every January, uh, we, want, we want Tom Brady and the rest of God's chosen to win. Um, that's, that's what we want every single year. And when God's chosen doesn't, when his anointed one falls short, we, the angels weep. And the world is not right, right? I mean, that's, that's the way that we feel about this. And that's the way that the Avengers uh, Infinity War ends. At the end of the movie, like my wife, she didn't know enough about the plot line to know that this obviously is a part one of a part two. I mean, obvious, because they can't, we all know that the movie can't end with the bad guy winning. And when all of the, like, there's like a whole bunch of good guys in, in that movie. And when all the good guys lose, and like, like evil, evil triumphs, we're like, I just wasted 20 bucks. Like we're like, we're like angry. We write letters to the producers. Um, okay, we, I don't know, maybe you do. I, I do. I'm just saying, it doesn't set right. And so when that kind of stuff happens, you walk out of the theater and you say to yourself, dang it, there better be a part two to this, right? Like that's, like there, there better be a part two. And where we are right now in human history is that we're at the end of part one. That's where we're at in human history. We're in this place where it looks like the bad guys win. Where's justice? Where's good triumphing over evil? Like, like we, don't, we don't see a whole lot of that. Everybody keeps talking about mankind and humanity improving, and we're never going to get to a utopian society. You know why? Because it's going to have a person at the top of it, and that person's going to be crooked. Like that's, it's, it's like we're never going to get it right. Like, like vote in whoever you want. It still isn't going to make the whole world like a perfect. This, this place is broken. And then when you add on top of that, like tra trafficking and, and famine and disease and death and brutality and betrayal and, 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 and all that, like, like that kind of like life's hard. It's, it's hard. And, and truthfully, for some of us, because evil wins so much, we have a hard time believing there's a God. Because if God is good, how can he let so much evil exist? How can there be so much bad in the world? Now, the, the Bible gives us an answer to, to this. We've talked about this before. We're, I'm not going to recap everything that we've talked about in the first two weeks of this series. But, but the, the, the book of Revelation is broken up essentially into three parts. The first part of the book of Revelations is the first uh, three chapters. And essentially, that's the age in which we're living right now. Where Jesus, his spirit, is working in and among those who've chosen to turn away from the sin that is in our own hearts and call others to the one who can rescue them from the same sin we were rescued with. Uh, the Bible says that God isn't slow in keeping his promise to punish evil as much as He's being patient, giving more people who have evil in their heart an opportunity to get things right with him. But there's going to come an end to his patience. 
And at some point in human history, Jesus is going to step up to the plate and make sure that evil gets one right in the face. Now, that ain't today. That ain't today. But that day is coming. And that's what we talked about in the second week, that day where God draws those who are his kids to himself. And then we are judged not based on the evil that is in our heart, because the evil that is, already in, that is in our heart has already been judged. And who took the punishment for the evil that is already in our heart? Jesus took the punishment for that. So we don't, th those sins are the double, double, double indemnity, double, like, like, you, we can't be punished twice for that, those set of sins. So essentially, and we talked about this, we enter eternity with the rewards of the choices that we made in obedience to God's Holy Spirit in our heart and in generosity towards others. But then Jesus is given a scroll and we know because of in, in, in the, the, the symbology that, that's, that's used, uh, this was written during the time of the Roman Empire, and when a scroll had seven seals, it was a deed. It was a uh, last will and testament, uh, and it wasn't uh, sealed up with all seven seals right in a row as much as uh, this scroll was rolled a little bit. There was a seal rolled a little bit, another seal rolled another seal, all the way until the, set, till the last seal was done. Jesus is given the deed, the title to all of God's creation, and now now he steps up to deliver judgment, and this is where I left you two weeks ago, and he opens up the first seal, and then I said, to be continued, to today. So if you've got your Bible, I want you to go to the very last book of the Bible. Uh, you're probably not, if, if you're not even religious, you could probably still find it, though. Just go to the back and turn forward a couple of pages. You'll find it, Revelation, and we're going to start in chapter 6. So if you've got your Bible, go to Revelation uh, chapter, chapter 6, uh, and that's, that's where we're at. Now, here, here's what you need to know, is that this week and next week are concurrent topics. So everything, so what I'm, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about uh, the, the time in, in, in the future where God shows up to punish evil in the world. Uh, and all I'm going to do today is talk about the can of whoop butt he's about to open up on everybody, all right? And then next week, I'm going to talk about what was happening to those who were devoted followers of God who were living at that same period of time. So there's a little bit of discussion, we talked about this, on when God gathers his family to himself. Whether or not it's at the beginning, before he judges the earth, if it's in that middle period of that seven years where everything starts to wind, wind down, or if it's at that second half where God, you know, opens up his fury on all that is evil. So everything we're talking about today happens uh, in, in, in a three and a half year time period. So uh, and then next week, we're going to talk about what's happening to those who are either his family that are waiting to be brought up to him to spend eternity in his presence, or those who had committed to faith after he had gathered his bride, his church, to himself. Because uh, there are people who still keep turning from sin to begin following Jesus, even after Jesus starts bringing justice into a broken, crooked, and screwed up e evil, evil world. People are still turning from the sin that is in their heart to begin following Jesus. And they are still, uh, their, their sin is still being taken away and they're made right with God. And then we're going to find out what happens to them while everything we're talking about this week is going on. Does that make sense? So this weekend's teaching and next weekend's teaching are happening at the exact same time. But all I'm going to talk about today 
is the can of whooptail. And then next week, I'm going to talk about those who are rescued from the sin that brings judgment from God and how they experience that same period in, in history. And then what we'll do is, is in the, the fifth week of this series, we're going to wrap up uh, with, with what God does at the end. So everybody will then stand before God and then, and then give an account. And the Bible says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory, to the glory of, of the Father. So, um, and, then, and then after that, uh, we're going to talk about what God does next and how we spend the rest of eternity. Uh, and then that's a little bit of a celebration. Um, so there'll be free prizes. Okay, not really. I'm just kidding. Uh, but that'll be, that'll be two weeks from now. So that's the three parts are uh, the period that we're living in now, uh, then, this, then this period of judgment where, where God uh, uh, brings justice uh, against those who've been committed to injustice. Uh, and then, and then the, the last part uh, will be what God does to make every, everything new. Does that make sense? So that's, that's where we're at. Uh, so now we, we are, last week we started this period in the middle uh, where God brings justice. And today and next week we're going to be talking about that, that middle period of, of the book of Revelation. So uh, Revelation chapter 6 is where we're at. I'm going to read uh, verse 1. Uh, so as I watched, the lamb broke the first of the seven seals on the scroll. So remember, he's uh, in, in chapter 5, the one who sits on the throne, God the Father, uh, has, has the deed, the title to earth, and says, who is worthy to open this? And John cries, because there's nobody who's found worthy. And then one of the, one of the uh, elders, uh, either one of the disciples or, or one of the uh, representatives of the 12 tribes of Israel, uh, taps him on the shoulder and says, you know, don't, don't cry anymore. The lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy. And then he, as a devoted follower of Jesus, turns and sees the lion as a lamb who's been sacrificed already for sin. So he uh, uh, grabs this, he, he breaks the seal, and that's where we're at in verse 1. He, he breaks the first seal, first of the seven seals. I heard one of the four living beings say with a voice like thunder, come. And I looked up and I saw a white horse standing there, its rider carried a bow, and a crown was placed on his head. He rode out to win many, many battles and, and gain victory. So, uh, so the first four of the seven seals are actually uh, horsemen. Uh, there's actually a phrase that uh, summarizes, that, that describes these four. Uh, you may have heard of the phrase, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, if you've ever heard that phrase before. That comes from... Uh, what we're reading right now. So the first four of the seven seal judgments are pictured as horsemen. So I don't know that it's a real, like, like remember, he's seeing things that are symbol of future events. All right? So that's, that's what it is. So uh, this, this rider is riding a white horse, and it's got a bow, but no what? What goes with a bow? But there's no arrows. So he wins many battles, and he brings all of these other uh, people groups, countries, possibly, uh, under his authority with, with the threat of violence, but without having to commit violence. So he's got a bow, no arrows. And with his bow, he bullies everybody into submitting to him. That's, that's what the first horse does. So he wins many battles without having to fire a single, single arrow. But he's got a bow, and everybody knows he's got a bow, and that's, that's all it takes for these other countries to, to submit to the authority 
of, of this writer. So there's many backstories. Uh, verse 3. When the lamb broke the second seal, I heard the second living being say, Come. Then another horse appeared, and this one was a red one. Its rider was given a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth. And there was war and slaughter everywhere. So the second seal brings about some type of world war. That isn't regionally located in the Pacific theater or in the uh, you know, European theater. This is a, like, like World War II, this is a conflict that now involves every nation. So I don't know what happens. Do they all rebel against that first rider? The first rider wins many battles, brings everybody. Then, then when that happens, the second rider comes out and says, nope, I'm taking peace away. And then everybody loses their flipping minds. And on earth, during the middle of this seven-year period, there will be a gigantic world war where everybody's fighting against each other. Back at it. Uh, its rider was given a mighty, verse 4, a mighty sword and the authority to take peace from the earth, and there was war and slaughter uh, everywhere. Verse 5, when the lamb broke the third seal, I heard the third living being say, come, and I looked up and I saw a black horse. And its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard a voice from among the four living beings say, a loaf of wheat uh, bread, a loaf of wheat bread or three loaves of barley will cost a day's pay, and don't waste the olive uh, and, and, the, and the wine. Um, food becomes very scarce. And you work all day long for essentially one full day's wage uh, will buy you a, a very thin one person's one meal. So it makes sense that if there's world war, that would be followed by famine. But there's two things that aren't touched, and that's the wine and the oil, which was the food of the rich. So somehow... The wealthiest of the world, it, like if I'm reading this right, like this, there's some discussion on this. But those whose diet is, you know, wine and oil, they're, they ain't, that, that, that horse, the black, the one on the black horse, doesn't touch those who, who have that in their diet. They're, they're not affected. But everybody else, everybody else is. Verse 7. Uh, when the lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard the fourth living being say, come, and I looked up and I saw a horse whose color was pale green. Its rider was named Death, and his companion was the grave. And these two were given authority over one-fourth of the earth to kill with a sword and famine and disease and wild animals. So, so we're, we're four seals. Now, now listen, there's going to be Three different sets of judgments. So we've gone through four. We've got 17 more to go. And we're not going to take a long time on the other ones. Only about five or six per seal, per judgment. So we'll get over in about three hours. I hope you guys are okay with that today. Get comfortable. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we're, we're four seals into the 21. And there's been a worldwide uh, war that somehow follows this period of peace that then brings famine that affects the entire world. And then and one quarter, 25% of the entire world's population dies after that. One out of every four people on the planet die. 
that's a lot of people. Would you agree? Like we're almost to like 8 billion people. It'd be like 2 billion people. Like, 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 and we still have, like this is all happening in three and a half years. So we're only four of, uh, four out of 21. Now all 21 of these happen in three and a half years. We're only four in. So how much time this is, like the Bible doesn't tell us. Like we don't know how, like all 21 of these happen in that three and a half year time period. Um, but we're only four in and already 25%. Of the, of the world's population has, has died. Uh, back, back, back at it. Uh, I looked up, uh, oh, uh, uh, so I, we were only going to read uh, for the sake of time uh, through the four horsemen of the apocalypse. The fifth, though, uh, is a period, the fifth seal that's broken uh, is a, a period of time where the first wave of those who had turned from sin to begin following Jesus are now martyred for their faith. So uh, that, that's, that's the fifth seal. So when the fifth seal is broken, there's, there's persecution now uh, against those who, who are followers of, of Jesus. So that's when, when that fifth seal is broken is when earth's population starts to divide between those who are haters of God and those who are, are lovers of God. And then those who are haters of God begin to persecute those who are our lovers of God. Does that make sense? So that's, that's when in human history this, this will begin to happen. At the, sixth, the sixth seal, when it is, is broken, uh, it's in verse 12 to 17, and we're not going to read that for the sake of time, but that's the sixth seal that is broken is a, uh, a worldwide earthquake and, and meteor shower that, that begins. And, and what you start to see from now until the end of the 21 different judgments that are brought onto the earth is that like our world begins to become negatively impacted by everything that's happening and and this is this is one of those when you when you read uh when 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 you read the um the uh um uh, earthquake uh, that happens, and the, uh, the the meteor shower. One of the people said uh, that, like, like is is that nuclear war? Is that like because like if if John's seeing things in the future that that he can't understand, how how would he describe that? Right? Like, how would he describe all of these missiles? I mean, he lived before there were you know like cars and like like chariot is all he would know. You know what I'm saying? Like a, even like a big carriage, I don't know if he would have been familiar with. So how, so like different people, like, like, like we, we, we don't know. What I do know is that there's an earthquake and things fall from the sky and, and do bad things to everybody who's here is, is what happens at, at that part. Uh, chapter 7 is this interlude. And there's going to be two more interludes uh, in the book of Revelation, like, kind of like a, like a timeout. And at this time out, John, John's led by God to take the entire chapter uh, 7 and kind of explain, okay, now just so you know, uh, this, is, this is what's happening to those who've chosen to become followers of God during this time. We find out uh, that none of the, the judgments that God brings against evil affect those who've repented of the evil that was in their own heart to begin following the ways of Jesus. Uh, because again, those of us who've chosen to accept that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection uh, from the dead is paid off our debt before God. Uh, there's no more debt between us and God that needs to be paid that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection didn't cover. So none of God's wrath, anger, and judgment is poured out 
on those who've turned from sin to begin following after him. So I've heard that in some of the life groups, some of the discussions are like, 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 like if you're a follower of Jesus, you're like, I'm really afraid of this time. And John takes all of chapter 7 to say, if you're a follower of Jesus, and even if you did live through this time, you wouldn't, you wouldn't need to be worried about this. And, and if you want to know what this looks like, you see this same picture in the book of Exodus. It's the second book of the Torah, the, the, the Tanakh, the Hebrew Bible, the, um, the, the, uh, um, uh, the, what Christians would refer to as the Old Testament. And, and in, this, in, in, in that story of the ten plagues that happened to Egypt, you find that all of the Jews had been banished to one neighborhood in Egypt referred to as the land of Goshen. And so when, when uh, Moses and Aaron come to, to Pharaoh and say, let my people go, if you've seen Prince of Egypt, you're familiar with that part. Uh, there's this scene in the Prince of Egypt where Pharaoh uh, has been affected by several different plagues at this point and comes out to the porch of his palace and looks out across the valley to the land of Goshen on the other side. And I believe it's the period of, of darkness that Egypt, that was one of the plagues. And he sees that while all of Egypt is under like tents, thick darkness that people were going like crazy in, uh, he could see that the, the sun was still shining in Goshen. So even when God brought judgment against Egypt, he preserved his own people at that time in history from the judgment he was bringing to evil in the world. And just like he did then, again someday in the future when God brings punishment to evil and sin and wickedness in the world, those who are his kids will be spared his judgment just like those who were his kid in the Hebrew scriptures were spared from his judgment. Does that make sense? And he shares this with us so that we don't have to worry about this. So in, in, in fact, all of this is written so that, when, so that those of us who are followers of Jesus, we, we don't freak out when the world gets worse. Because we, we know it's going to. And we know that the second command that God ever gave mankind was to take care and to, you know, uh, of the earth. And, and, to, and to steward our, our natural resources well, uh, we, we know that the world won't end from global warming. Like, we, we know that. So while we have a responsibility to care for the earth, we don't freak out over what's happening because we know that that's not how things wrap up. That's not the end of mankind's story. Uh, I had a neighbor this week say, uh, I can't wait for the time when, when mankind, the plague of humanity, is wiped off this earth. There'll be, there'll be, there'll be peace. And I'm like, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> uh, not if you're still alive, you won't be looking forward to that, right? Like, like, like I, I, I don't understand that sentiment. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't view people as the biggest evil in the world, like, some people do. I recognize that they bear the image of God and are the objects of his affection. And that gives me capacity to, to love people who are nothing like me because God loves me who is nothing like him. I can forgive people for doing unforgivable things because uh, God has forgiven me for the unforgivable things I've done. I can, I can love people who are unlovely because God has loved me when I'm unlovely. Does that make sense? So it's, it's what I know about God and what he has to say about me that gives me greater capacity to live, live as a reflection of his love and grace in a world that seems not to have very much of it. And that's the whole purpose for this book. Chapter 7 is, so as we get into these, because he knows there's like a whole lot of other crap coming. And you guys need to know right now in chapter 7 that none of this is intended for anybody whose sins have already been paid for by the death, burial, and resurrection.
Then we get to uh, chapter, uh, chapter 8. And in verse 1, the, seven, the seventh seal, and now we're a third of the way done, the seventh seal is just total silence in heaven. And that's never happened before. Because according to even the Hebrew uh, prophets who God had given pictures of what heaven was like, they described the angels who are constantly singing uh, songs of worship and praise to God who sits on the throne. So like that's the, there's always noise in heaven. But the eight, the, excuse me, the seventh seal in chapter 8, we're going to read it, verse 1. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal uh, uh, on the scroll, there was silence throughout heaven for about half an hour. That, that in all of history, has never happened. Someday, there's 30 minutes of complete silence. Why? Shock and awe. They know what's coming. Like, and they, oh my word. Then here's what happens in verse 2. I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and they were given seven trumpets. And here we get into the seven trumpet judgments. So during this period of silence, 30 minutes of silence in heaven, at the end of the 30 minutes, seven angels who constantly stand in the presence of God, maybe these are the angels that are constantly singing about that Ezekiel gives a description of, that they had two wings that covered their face, uh, two wings that covered their body, and with two wings they fly and they sing, holy, holy, holy is, is the Lord God Almighty. Maybe it's, maybe it's those angels. I, I, don't, I don't know. But there's seven angels who are always in the presence of God, and they've stopped singing. And at the end of this 30 minutes, each one of them grab their trumpet and, and then walk out from the present, like, like they, they're at the throne, and they, they walk away from the throne they, they get to the edge, and then one at a time, they each blow their trumpet. And each trumpet brings a, a second of three different waves of judgment and, and evil. And the reason why this is important is that you want Thanos to get what's coming to him. If you don't know who Thanos is, I'm going back again to the Marvel movie Avengers Infinity War. He's the big bad guy. And you want, you want the big bad guy to get what's coming to him. And that's what this is all about. These are just the different ways in which God finally punishes human traffickers, finally punishes those who've killed and murdered and raped. He, like, they finally get what's coming to them. It, it, it happens, finally. Chapter, chapter 8 um, is where it happens. We're going to start in verse 6. Uh, then the seven angels with the seven trumpets prepared to blow their mighty blast. The first angel blew his trumpet, and hail and fire mixed with blood uh, and were, were thrown down to the earth. One-third of all of the, asp, uh, the, the grass uh, was set on fire. Uh, One-third of the trees were burned, and all the green grass was burned. So in the first trumpet, uh, here's what happens. One-third of all vegetation on the earth is burned up. One-third of all the fields, of, of all the orchards, one-third th one of all the forests, one-third of all plant life on the earth is destroyed after the first, first. Just so you know, by the time we get to the end, there's, there's nothing left. You guys see that coming, right? Does everybody see that coming? Uh, because God, uh, and, and Brian Buford and I were talking about the weekend's teaching. I was like, oh my, like, can you, like, it gets really, really bad around here. Like, like, it gets really, really bad. And, and when we were talking about all the different things that you see in the book of Revelation that mirror things that happened, uh, Brian said this to me, and I think he's right. He said, it's almost like creation in the, in the reverse order. 
I'm, oh my word, I never thought that before. So creation uh, opens with God uh, creating, creating light and, and, and life and the, and the earth. And then, and then the, you know, the different, the six days of creation and the seventh that he rested and, and all the things that he does uh, in, in the Hebrew Bible begin to happen in reverse order towards destruction and nothingness. Uh, at, at the end of the book. So God like builds, 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 builds. And then, then human history is us just destroying everything good that God's been doing in the world. And, and because each one of us bear the, the image of God in our life, I, I believe that every person, whether they're a follower of God or not, is capable of goodness and compassion. It's just that our default setting is to be selfish and to rebel against the authority of God in our life. It's not that we're incapable of being selfless. It's just it goes against our nature. Is, is what it is. And so at the end, God just goes, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wind this up, and then, and then we're going to kick off something brand new. And, and that's two weeks from now. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Uh, but back at it. And for the sake of time, we're not going to keep reading, but the first trumpet uh, is a third of all vegetation is destroyed by fire. Uh, the second trumpet is that a third of the ocean is contaminated, and a third of all fish uh, in the ocean die. Uh, stink, and it, it talks about shipping being shut down, and and just there's one third of the ocean is 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 not able to sustain life. Uh, the third trumpet is that one third of all fresh water uh, becomes impot impotable, impotable, uh, un undrinkable is the word I'm trying to say, but trying to sound smart when I say it. So, uh, so one-third of all the ocean is, is, is destroyed. One-third of all fresh water uh, becomes contaminated. The fourth trumpet is that, and, 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 and somehow I don't, I don't understand this one, but a third of the sun, a third of the stars, a third of the moon, and day and night are both shortened. So I'm not sure if, if some, I, I don't, like, it's everything's shortened, so how is day and night reduced? Like, how does that less time? I don't, I don't know if, if somehow maybe those, those meteors, does it, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't understand that. Um, so Brian and I were, you know, daydreaming of like theories of, you know, rotation of the earth. And, and I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But that's the, 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 fourth, the fourth trumpet is that somehow uh, the days are, are shortened. And the nights are shortened. The 24-hour period somehow changes. And that's, since I don't really know much about that, I, I probably shouldn't go into any more detail than what I would be sure of. But that's, that's what the fourth trumpet is. The fifth trumpet is that an angel is given the keys to unlock uh, the bottomless pit. And this is a, this is a, a reference to something that, that exists somehow, somewhere, it's talked about both in the Hebrew Bible and, and in the New Testament and in the Greek, the Greek Bible. And there's a story of Jesus uh, and his disciples where they get out uh, of the boat in, at the Sea of Galilee on a beach. And there are two demon-possessed men who come running out. And when they recognize who Jesus is, this is uh, Matthew 8, Mark 5, and Luke 8. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible uh, because these guys cut themselves with rocks. They're always bleeding, screaming. The uh, Bible says that nobody could chain them up, which means people tried. And by the way, I believe it's Luke gives the detail that they were always naked. So I think it's kind of like hilarious 
that these demon-possessed naked guys used to beat the crap out of people. So that's kind of a funny story in the Bible. But when they recognize that it's Jesus, the Bible says both the, the, the demon-possessed guys fall down in front of him and worship him. And then Jesus says, what is your name? And he says, my name is Legion because there are a lot of us. The Bible says that Jesus cast the demons out, and then the demons said to them, or the head demons said, please don't send us into the abyss. Please send us into those pigs up on the hill. And so when I was a youth pastor, I used to, and then the, the pigs are then filled with all these demons, and the Bible says they ran off a cliff and drowned in the Sea of Galilee. So I used to call this sermon, The Pigs in Space, so, you know, because they were you know, they jumped off a cliff. So I, I, that's how I know, know that story really well. But the, the phrase I'm wanting you to catch is where the demons were aware of the abyss. And that's when they were taken out of the game. So when they were kicked out of heaven, they're here running amok, doing as much. I, I believe that they are behind a lot of evil in the world. Like when you, when you hear about something that a normal person isn't capable, like you're just like, like that's like, yeah, I, I do believe that there is satanic somehow coercion that works at work in, in this world. But when a demon was cast out, they were sent to that abyss, that bottomless pit, and essentially, they were taken out of the game. Not allowed to, do, not allowed to run amok anymore. So the, the, fifth, the, fifth, uh, the fifth judgment, the fifth trumpet, is an angel unlocks that abyss, the bottomless pit, and all of those demons are let out into the world. And who knows how long they've been pent up but dang it, they've been itching for a fight. And they just do a lot of damage. You can read that on your own time in here. But these demons are let out of the bottomless pit and just start terrorizing everything. The sixth trumpet is that God says, and this is crazy, because I've never seen this before. The sixth trumpet is that God tells the same angel who unlocked the key to the bottomless pit, he says, go unchained, go unchained, the four demons who were bound by the river Euphrates who were created for this hour, this day, and this minute. The, I, I didn't even know that there were four demons who'd been chained up by the river Euphrates waiting to be let loose in the world to run it. Like, like these, these are like, like, ha, ha, ha. These guys are like, other demons are afraid of these four. That's all I'm saying. That's like, that's what these four demons would be. They are right now. See, I, I believe that there's a spiritual reality that we're blinded to. Adam and Eve, we're, look, briefly, angels purely spiritual, animals purely physical. We're creating the image of God. We're both physical and spiritual. But the Bible says that we have died spiritually. And Paul says that we only see spiritual realities like through a bathroom foggy mirror. Like we just like, we can't really, like sometimes we feel like there's something spiritual, right? But then other times we, like we can't really get a, a finger on it because we're, we're dead spiritually and, and the Bible talks about that. So the, there are spiritual realities that we now are blinded to because of sin that, that Adam and Eve were fully aware of. And then after sin, that part of all of reality was blinded. So now we're only always aware of everything that is physical. Not because spirituality, spiritual things don't exist, but that, that part of us has died because of the sin that is in our heart. But that doesn't mean that they're not there. So those four demons are, are let loose. Uh, and, and they, the uh, Bible says that they then kill, just those four demons kill, oh, excuse me, they lead an army of, ah, and I, sorry, I think this is, maybe those demons that were let out of the bottomless pit, an army of 200 million uh, demons that then kill a third of the rest of the population of earth.
So after the first part, during the seals, 25% die. Uh, during the trumpets, 33% of humanity dies. Um, Revelation chapter 9 says, but the people who did not die in these plagues, Revelation chapter 9 verse 20, still refused to repent of their evil deeds and turn to God. And I love that. That even then, God was still giving people a chance to turn from sin and place their faith in him to be spared from the judgment for sin. Because God's never hated people. He's hated sin. You know why? Because it separates people from him. So he's never hated the people. But if God is good, sin must be paid for. And so after every one of these judgments, he gives chances for even those that his judgment has been poured out on, a chance to turn from their sin, which has brought God's judgment, so that they could be spared too. And even after all of this, he says, and still, they wouldn't do it. The seventh is that the righteous are judged and the Ark of the Covenant is revealed. So remember how last week I said that there's a period of time where we, all of God's family is brought together and then we stand before a judgment that's different than the judgment at the end of the world where then we're judged and are right. That happens here. That happens at the seventh trumpet. That's, I said, I wasn't sure where that's happened. I found where it happens. It's the seventh trumpet. Which then brings us to an interlude uh, in, in chapter 12 and 13 that for the sake of time, we're not going to do any reading in. But there's a story that like this interlude is kind of like a recap of what's happening uh, over, overall. And so just like I said, next week we're going to do a recap over all of everything that happens to those who turn from sin and begin following God during those three and a half years. Uh, in chapter 12 and 13, uh, John says, now let me recap what's, what's actually happening here. He says that there is a beast, and the best way that he could describe it, he says this beast comes out of the sea, and this beast brings everything under his control. So does this have anything to do with that first horse? I, 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 have, I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. But he says, and there's a second beast. The second beast comes up out of the land. The second beast is the one who brings about worship. All, uh, like there'll be one world. So the, the first beast sets up a one world government. Uh, the second beast uh, sets up a one world religion that has the first beast as its, as its savior. Uh, and, and actually in chapter 12, you find out that that first beast is like, it, it, it looks like a person, but like this first beast uh, dies and then resurrects. So you even see a, like a retelling of the story of Jesus. And then after his resurrection, uh, that second beast the, was referred to then as the false prophet, then gets everybody to worship the first beast. Then he creates, and you find this in chapter 12 and 13, a statue in the likeness of the first beast that everybody can worship the statue if they want. Uh, instead of the first, the first person. So that's the, that's the establishment of the one world government, the one world religion. Uh, and then that one world religion, just like Jesus refers to those who are his, his kids, who are as the bride of Christ. So if, if Jesus is a savior, Satan's going to present a counterfeit, uh, which is the beast. And if Jesus has a bride who is the church, what would be the opposite of a bride? A whore. And that's, there's, there's a story of the whore of Babylon who is the church of those who worship, that, of everybody who's a part of that one world religion, who now worships the beast. It's in chapter 12 and 13 that we find that his number is, does anybody know? 666, thank you. 
And then chapter 14 is the last seven judgments, and, and we'll wrap these up. Uh, chapter 14, I'm going to start reading in verse 6, uh, where it says, And I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to ev- the, the people who belong to this world, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Fear God, he shall give glory. This angel is now sent to give everybody on the earth another opportunity to turn from sin and begin following Jesus. Uh, but, but he doesn't. Uh, and so for the sake of time, I want to just read to you the, the, the seven judgments. Uh, the first one is uh, that there are malignant sores on everybody who has taken on the mark of the beast and has now joined that one world religion cult that now worships that man as, as God. Um, the second judgment is, the second bowl judgment is that, at, okay, and this is when God starts wrapping things up really quick. Everything in the ocean dies. Uh, the third bowl is that everything in all the fresh water dies. The fourth thing is that the sun scorches everyone on the earth. The fifth is that the earth is plunged into darkness. And after the fifth, it says, and still people would not repent of their sins. So even, even at the end, God is still giving, like, please, I'm begging you. Turn from the evil that is in your own heart. Repent. Like, we're almost to the sentencing part. Like, like, like the trial is almost over. Like, please, like, let go of, like, team evil. But still they, they wouldn't. Six is that the Euphrates River dries up, and the armies of the east join the armies of the west in the valley of Megiddo for the battle of, but it doesn't happen yet. The sixth judgment is that everybody's gathered together for it, the the sixth bowl, is that the river dries up, that's the judgment, and the armies start marching. The seventh bowl judgment is, I want you to see this, Revelation chapter 16, verse 17. This is awesome. Revelation chapter 16, verse 17 says, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, And a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple. Who sits on the throne in the temple? Jesus is serving judgment. Jesus, God the Son. Who sits on the the throne? God, the Father. And he says, I think this is the only time in the entire Bible where you see God, because every time God ever says anything, the word of God became flesh and dwelt. It's Jesus speaking. I think this might be the only time in the entire Bible where the Father speaks. And he says the same thing Jesus said when he was on the cross. At the very end, Jesus said what three words? It is finished. Now, Jesus' job was finished. But now, God the Father says, now we're done. Now. It's finished. Uh, And a mighty shout came from the throne in the temple saying, it is finished. Then thunder crashed and rolled and lightning flashed and a great earthquake struck. The worst since people were placed on the earth. The great city of Babylon split into three sections and the cities of many nations fell into heaps of rubble. So God remembered all of Babylon's sins and he made her drink the cup that was filled with the wine of his fierce wrath and every island disappeared and every mountain on the planet was leveled. There was a terrible hailstorm 
hailstones weighing as much as 75 pounds fell from the sky onto the people below. They cursed God because of the terrible plague of hailstorm. They still never did what? Repent. Still wouldn't do it. Then, chapter 17 says, there's a story of, there's a lot in here. I'm trying to filter. The whore of Babylon, the one word religion, that is about worshiping the beast, the Antichrist, he turns on the false prophet in his own church and he starts trying to kill them all. That happens in chapter 17. At the end of chapter 17, Jesus finally saddles up, gets on his horse. <laughs> and now he's done. God the Father just said, it's finished. It's time to wrap this bad boy up. And that's what he does. At the end of chapter 17, it says, um, nope, chapter 19. At the end of chapter 19, verse 11 then I saw heaven open and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and he wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire. John described somebody who had flames of fire at the beginning. That was who? Jesus. And on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. I think that is Ninja. He's got, a he's got a name tattooed on him somewhere that he just ain't telling nobody what it means. But God knows it. Like, I gave myself a nickname, and you're never going to know it. I was like, please. Nope, it ain't for you to know. He's got a, he got a secret name on there. Uh, verse 13, he wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. John chapter 1, who became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. So the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, and his name is Jesus. He's on this great white horse, verse 14, the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen. Who's that? That's us. We're in this. Like we're up in heaven watching all these angels do this stuff. And we're like, holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. Uh, can we say crap in heaven? I don't know. Depends on which family you were raised in. My mom would say no, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But we're going to be thinking it. We just won't be saying it out loud. Right? It's amazing. At the very end, when God says it is finished, Jesus walks over to a horse, gets on it, and he says, Regulators, mount up. Sorry, that was a Young Guns reference. I don't know if anybody got that or not. But essentially yells, Regulators, mount up. And we all saddle up. We all get on our horse. <laughs> I wonder if I'll be any good at a horse. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, you automatically be good? Or well, one of you guys, one of you guys gonna fall off your horse? I bet. I bet. And we're gonna ride down to earth and you're gonna crap, get back on your horse. You're embarrassing all of us. <laughs> the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses, and from his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. From his mouth it's his word. And he just like he's the one who spoke life, and now he speaks death into every one of those armies. Just 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 speaks it. Just an angel, the Bible says, calls the buzzards and scavengers to this valley and says, gorge on the flesh of those who have rebelled against the Lord Almighty. And that's the end. Then, 
the Bible says the beast and Satan are, and this is in chapter 19, they're thrown back into the bottomless pit. But I'm not going to tell you how long. I got to leave one more to be continued. That's two weeks from today. Next weekend, I get to go back and tell you everything that was happening to those who are followers of God during the same time period. What are we supposed to do with this information? Peter tells us what to do with this information. In 2 Peter chapter 3, this is what Peter wrote, and we're going to end by reading this. 2 Peter chapter 3. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. So we're like, man, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus left. Like, that's a long time. And he goes, I want you to know, God doesn't count time like you and I count time. All right? Next verse. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise to bring punishment to evil, as some people think. No, he is being patient. Why? For your sake. Why? Because he doesn't want any of you to be destroyed. So instead, he wants you to what? That's what we do with this. We hear what's happening at the end, and we let that be a warning to us now to make sure that I am right now in right relationship with God so that I don't have to pay for my own sins because I accepted Jesus' payment for them. That's what God wants me to do with that. Back at it. But the day of the Lord will come as expect, unexpectedly as a thief. The heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. The very elements of the earth themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment, which we just talked about. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live now. Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. Because on that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements of the earth will melt away in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth that he promised, a world filled with God's righteousness, which comes on the other side of that, which we're talking about in two weeks. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, which is where we are right now, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure from sin and blameless in our treatment towards others in his sight. Because remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with wisdom that God gave him about. Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand and those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different just as they do with other parts of Scripture, and this will result in their destruction. Verse 17. So I am warning you ahead of time, dear brothers, dear friends, be on guard so that you will not be carried away by the errors of wicked people around you and lose the secure footing of your faith. Rather, you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that verse right there is where we get the name for Grace Church. That verse also is the reason why we have a LEAF logo. In fact, early on when Grace Church was first started, some of our branding had 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18 on it. So in the meantime, grow in grace. Grow, that's with the LEAF, right? Grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Remembering all of those around you 
that God is waiting on to turn from sin so that they can be spared too. I love that God is 100% wrath and anger against evil in the world. But I'm unbelievably thankful that as much wrath and anger as he has on evil, he has that much love and grace for those who will turn from it in their own heart. And in the meantime, keep that crap out of your heart, he says. Evaluate yourself. Find where it's still there and dig it out so that when this stuff comes, you're ready. So I don't know what you need to do, but you probably have something in there you need to deal with. So I'll ask you to bow your head and deal with it. God, I'm thankful that you love us, that you care, that you see the evil that is in the world. And God, I'm sorry that mankind has somehow looked at the evil in the world and said that if you're good, why should evil exist? As though you've lost your goodness by not punishing evil now. But the truth is, if you punished evil now, we would be destroyed. Because the biggest evil in the world around me is the evil that is in me. God, thank you for taking the punishment for the evil that is in me so that I can be rescued from it. God, thank you for saving me from my sin. Thank you for taking my punishment for me so that I wouldn't have to be. God, my gratitude for what you've done for me moves me to a place where I want to let go of the things you paid for that I still allow to creep back in. That's why Peter wrote this. But this is an opportunity for every one of us to evaluate whether or not we've turned from sin to follow after you. And if you haven't, this is your chance. Jesus, I accept that your death, burial, and resurrection is the only thing that fully pays off my debt before a holy and righteous God. And God, I want you to pay it off. God, please take away all my sin. Forgive me for every bit of it. Wash it out of my heart and make my heart new. Help me to follow you with the rest of my life. Jesus, I am yours. The Bible says that God is faithful, just. That if we confess our sins, he will forgive us and clean us from all of it. But some of us let that stuff back in. And he says, so I'm warning you, number one, that judgment isn't for you because I already took it out on Jesus. But for those of you who are letting it back in, it's important to me that when I come back, you're ready for me. If God came back right now and evaluated your life, what would he say you should have already gotten rid of by now that you've allowed to stay? Who have you not forgiven? Who have you not asked forgiveness from? What are you still withholding from God? What area of your life have you not made available to him? What pattern of disobedience or rebellion is right now in, in your life? And whatever God points out, let it go. God, I pray that you're pleased by the attitude and focus of our hearts. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and we all say together.